You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead Bible study groups using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and I'm also the leader for the Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm being joined by G.B. Howe, and G.B. is the content editor for Biblical Illustrator. And we're going to be looking at session five for the fall 2020 study of Isaiah. G.B., thanks for being with us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you, Dwayne. G.B., I'm going to walk through the outline for session five, and then we'll come back and talk about some questions that, uh, that we have relative to this particular study of Isaiah chapter 25. Uh, the, the outline follows the, these three marks, singing praise, feasting together, and trusting God. Verses one through five are that first point, singing praise. In those verses, Isaiah presented a hymn of thanksgiving that celebrates God and his salvation. Those who once rebelled against God will one day worship him for his justice and salvation. God planned his salvation and will carry out his plan perfectly. The second section is on feasting together, and that's verses six through eight. In these verses, Isaiah told of a great feast to be enjoyed by all nations celebrating God's reign. This reign includes the defeat of death, leading to everlasting joy for those who follow him. The third section, Trusting God, looks at verses 9 through 10, the first part of of verse 10, actually. In these passages, Isaiah emphasized that those who wait on God, expressing trust in him, will be saved. So some of the key big takeaways here is that God's salvation leads to praise of him, God's peace will be enjoyed by all who trust him, and God's salvation comes through faith in him. GB, here's some questions I want us to think about. This first question, we see this as a hymn. Um, How does this being a hymn change the way we ought to interpret this passage, if any? Yeah, I think we have to say that it changes the way we interpret it, the way we understand it. Um, When we look at the context of this, Judah's being attacked by Assyria, um, Assyria's King Sennacherib is uh, just about to attack Jerusalem. And in spite of that, these people still um, offer praise to God. It, it seems like it would be the opposite. They would be crying out, oh God, oh God, oh God, please help us, help us, help us. In, in verse 1, in ch- chapter 25, verse 1, Lord, you are my God. I exalt you. I praise your name. You've accomplished great things. And and, and part of what this, this these verses do is they do what good hymns always call us to do that it affirms the faithfulness of god it affirms that the god we know the god we love the god we worship has proven himself over and over and over to be faithful i mean one of our great hymns great is thy faithfulness does that exact same thing but but the other thing it does it it affirms god's power he said in verse two that you have turned the city into a pile of rocks interesting uh, Isaiah doesn't identify that city. He doesn't say that, oh, it was Babylon or as, oh, one of the Edomite cities. Some people have thought maybe it was. I think it's intentional he didn't. I, I think part of what Isaiah is saying is um, that there's this difficulty for God's people, and God's had a plan and always had a plan for deliverance. He, he wasn't planning it on the, on the fly is what you're saying. He was not. I mean, God's got a, a plan greater and bigger than anything we've ever imagined. And, and you know, when we go through adversity, our tendency is that we, it's like we're dropped down into a barrel and the only thing we see around us is the inside of that barrel, the difficulty that, that we're encased in. Um, 
but but in times of in in Christianity's times of of great hymnody, some of our best hymns have come out of that. In the beginning of World War II. 1939, that hymn, Victory in Jesus, it says he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. It's an affirmation that in the dark, in the difficult times, we need to affirm that God is still faithful. I mean, in 1898, uh, the U.S. declared war on Spain, the beginning of the Spanish-American War. The hymn, when we all get to heaven, it looked forward to a greater and a better day. And so I think part of the reminder of these verses is that because God has proven himself faithful, when we go through our adversities, we can remember God is powerful, God is faithful, and he has a plan for us that makes him worthy of our praise. Uh, it, it absolutely changes the way we recognize these verses. It is kind of interesting how when we sing a hymn, we don't necessarily think of the time period and when that hymn was written to know and appreciate what's happening in the background that would have caused a writer to write that in the first place. I mean, you think about one of the great hymns of our faith, It Is Well With My Soul. I mean, that was written out of personal heartache. Horatio G. Spafford had lost his wife and his, his family um, in tragedy. And, and out of that comes this great hymn that affirms, in spite of that, I'm going to affirm the goodness of God. You see that with many hymns. What a friend we have in Jesus, for example. You know, absolutely, absolutely. This in, in in verses six through eight, we have this feast that's described. What should we make of the description we see here in Isaiah's prophecy when we see those same kind of prophecies or similar related prophecies in the New Testament? Well, I think part of what it does it affirms the consistency of the message of God. You know, Jesus talk to his disciples about a great feast. He used that as a backdrop to make teachings about the kingdom of God and what it will be like in, in that place. The book of Revelation talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, and it's just a consistency of the message itself. And, and I think, it, to me, part of what's exciting is that regardless of where people have found themselves in history, for the people of God, and it's what we said a minute ago, it's a reminder that we need to see step back and say that God is seeing a greater peace, a greater picture than we can begin to imagine. He sees something bigger. He has a plan we can't see. I mean, we're looking at an individual piece of the puzzle and saying, oh, based on this little fragment, that must be what the whole thing looks like. And God has got that eternal view, and he's going, oh, I've got something even greater and bigger. I love in, in verse 6, when he says a Lord of armies will prepare for all peoples a feast. It's a reminder that it's not just the 12 tribes, just the small remnant of Hebrews. It was to be Jews and Gentiles. And that's exactly who Christ came for um, so that all peoples of the world could be saved through him. You know, in our, our previous session, session uh, four, we had a, we talked a great deal about uh, with Brandon Hiltabottle. I talked, we, he and I talked a great deal about this, this idea of the, the Lord of the armies and uh, the symbolism involved in that. And once again, we see it here. This is a common theme we're going to see throughout Isaiah is this idea of the Lord of the armies and, and the importance of that being plural. It's not Lord of a army. It's Lord of the armies, which even brings greater significance to for that title. And here he is again, demonstrating his power, his majesty, 
um, his control, his sovereignty over everything that he is. It's interesting that you bring that out too when we're looking at this particular passage. Dwayne, one of the things I think that's interesting in, in these verses out of Isaiah 25, when he talks about swallowing up death once for all and God wiping away every tear from every face. I mean, it comes, that same thought, that exact same thought is in Revelation 24 that says he'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no death, no mourning, no crying or pain for the old things have passed away. Um, it's, it's part of a reminder of the, that God's got an ultimate plan. Uh, he, he is the God of, of kingdom. Of, of, he's the Lord of armies, as he said, like you said in verse 6. And, and he is not weakened by what we face, be it death or ruin or invasion, whatever, whatever desolation or circumstance we find ourselves in. It's, it's a reminder uh, to us. That, that God's power has not been weakened because of what we're facing. I, I find that really affirming. You mentioned that trouble is on the doorstep here when they're singing this song, when they're it asked is. to sing this song by Isaiah. Absolutely. Is that right? Uh, it, so, yes, absolutely. It's, it's, not like, it's not a sunshiny day when they're <laughs> asked to do this. No, it's not. Sennacherib is known for his barbarism when he attacked the people. He did not go in to offer a welcome wagon basket. Uh, he came in to literally, literally, skin people alive yeah so and so here they are looking at that and being asked to to have this kind of view of it that's a challenging thing in, in this in this context it, it, he, he, he calls on the people to rejoice in his salvation in the salvation of, of god what are some practical ways we can do that gb i think it's a great question i, I think there are different facets to that i think one of the First thing we do is we can allow ourselves in our mind and our spirit and our memory or physically um, to go to the place that we found that God has proven himself real to us in the past. I mean, in, in verse six and verse seven and verse 10, he uses the phrase on this mountain. Isaiah is using terminology that people will understand. And th there's a place that God has proven himself to be real to us. You think about Genesis 35 when they return to Bethel. And I think part of what we can do is we can allow ourselves to go back to the place that God proved himself faithful to us in the past. And that can help us to rejoice because he's done that. Uh, second we thing. We could do that literally or figuratively, couldn't we? We can and should. You know, for some, it may be a, a, a church or a, a religious experience, maybe a retreat that we were part of as a teenager. It, it can be the place that we made a vow to God, be that a vow in marriage or a, a vow of commitment of the heart. But just to go to that place on this mountain and let God remind you he's been faithful. The second thing I think we can do is, is to remember who he is. You talked about this a moment ago in verse 6. He's referred to as the Lord of armies. Easily we allow ourselves to limit God and our understanding of who he is. We serve a great God. Um, a thing that got, to me, that got exciting reading through these verses and reading through these verses is the pronouns. I know that may sound odd to a lot of folk to think about pronouns. I mean, first part of the hymn, verse one, it is singular. Oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt and I will praise your name. But at the end, in chapter 25, verse nine, it all moves to plural. On that day, it'll be said, look, this is our God. We, plural, have waited for him. He has saved us, plural. The Lord, we have waited for him. Let's, 
plural. Let's rejoice and be glad in his salvation. It's a reminder that we don't face the difficulty by ourselves. God has proven himself real to us, and, and he has called us to be his people and to be a part of his people. The old John Dunn's saying, no man is an island, really does prove to be true for the people of God. Um, he, he has called us to koinonia, to relationship with each other. And, and when we go through difficulty, part of what we can do is we can find strength in our Sunday school class, in our Bible study group, in corporate worship. And, and, and together, uh, we can encourage each other and be an encouragement to each other. And finally, the last thing I want to say here is, is um, I think one of the ways that we can uh, pick it up on that phrase to rejoice in his salvation is to remember that this is a hymn and allow yourself, whether you're a good singer or not, you know, to okay. lift, lift your voice in praise to him. I mean, sometimes the best way uh, to sing is um, in the shower or in the car when nobody else is around. <laughs> but the reality, But the reality is, I think our hymns of faith affirm for us God's faithfulness, who he is, and that he has not deserted us. You, I really hear four remembers here. Remember the places. Yep. Remember who God is. Yep. Remember you're part of a larger group of people. Yep. And remember to praise God, offer him worship. That's it. That, that, that's really the call there. Uh, some practical things to do no matter no matter what. GB, any other key insights or things that you would share about this passage in Isaiah 25? To, to me, I mean, it's just, it's just an affirming word. It's an affirming word of the power of God. I mean, he is defeating the enemy and death and, and the Assyrian. There's just nothing. Isaiah is just saying over and over, there's nothing to be afraid of. God is still God. He's on the throne and you're a part of his people. That's what this whole whole hymn is about. And to me, that's exciting. GB, thank you for joining us today. Our listeners out there, by now, you mostly, you most likely have noticed some changes in the Explore the Bible resources for this fall. Uh, you'll find a fresh cover design, a few tweaks to the layout in the personal study guide and the daily discipleship guide. Those tweaks uh, really make it easier for you to, to read uh, the content. And it also gives us some additional space to include more commentary. And then there's a few changes to the leader guide as well. You can share your thoughts about these changes and about Explore the Bible in general by sending me an email at dwayne.mccrary at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com. I just want to thank you today for listening to us and know that we pray for you and hope that you do the same for us, that God will give us wisdom as we create the Explore the Bible studies. Join us next week. We'll be looking at session six, which is a study of Isaiah chapter 31. GB, thank you once again for being with us. Thanks, Dwayne. It's been my pleasure.